there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm DRS, joined by Charlie, Jethro, and Matthew. Last week, I was um, a 30s little boy on a beach, and today I'm an orderly. This is cult leader vibes. Cult leader? Yeah. More than orderly. I feel like- I in- Something with the pants. They're just so loose and flowy. <laughs> this feels like- You're right. They're borderline. This could be- It's almost a sorry. It's like formal cult attire, but it's built on comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm. It also reminds me of my first rave I went to. I went to an <laughs> all-white rave with 50,000 people in Prague when I was 26. 26. 26. What year do we think that? When were you 26? Oh, man. That was like 2006, probably. Okay. What was the price of admission for a well, I got, rave with 50,000 people? The only tickets left was a VIP ticket, and okay. it was like- I think $400, but it was unlimited food and alcohol. Oh my goodness. And weirdly in our VIP area, it was all like military officials from different Baltic countries. Oh, it was. So you were with a lot of brass, military brass. (laughs) Do they they know how to party? Oh, they do. We're talking raged. And it was uh, (laughs) quite the interesting 12 hours. Now, I went with my three buddies from Detroit to Prague in 2000, last year of college. And... We were in a pretty nice hotel, mind you, all sharing one huge room. But I think the room was like $13 a night and it came with free breakfast. And we would leave in the morning at like, I don't know, nine or 10 after we ate patty, pate in the, uh, which we called patty every morning for breakfast. We would go out and we would get drunk for 14 hours. We'd eat four or five times at those little, those little, um, so, oh, great. Oh, cool. You're getting a call. I'm getting a weird call from, Anita Driver. Oh. Wait, wait. This Anita Driver? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Here we go. Hey, boys. I, I hear you guys are huge fans of my Thick Rick book. Oh, oh. my God. Anita's a boy. <laughs> well, I don't want to be presumptuous. Are you a boy, Anita? I, I am. Uh, you know, I uh, I saw the order come in from Jethro for the 68 remaining uh, books in the series. And <laughs> well, I just knew I had to get in touch with you guys. Okay. What, hold on a second. Anita, what an honor to be speaking to you. Can you hear me? This is Dax. Hey, Dax. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, great. Hey, Dax, you said I'm not going to win a Pulitzer. I mean, I, I kind of feel like that's a little premature, don't you think? <laughs> if there were odds in Vegas, and this, this is with a lot of respect and love for your work, you're not going to win a Pulitzer. Or, <laughs> or I also go out on a limb and say not a Nobel either. <laughs> can you walk us through some deets here? First of all, your pseudonym. Can we talk about Anita Driver? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I feel like that name was just maybe divine inspiration. Okay. It was literally the first and only name I considered for writing this book. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to beat that. Yeah. I'll just go with it. Okay. And so you have, in addition to Thick Rick, you have a few other books. I'm holding one of them right now, Stop, Drop, and Stroll, a Lance Stroll-inspired guide yeah. to fire safety for kids which is fantastic i think my favorite is a book of sadness and disappointment for children charles leclerc and the terrible horrible no good very bad monaco grand prix (laughs) you know that charles book i put it together on the the weekend at the monaco grand prix and i was really hoping that maybe it would have a happy ending right like like he's struggled so much in monaco but this year maybe he'd pull it out and it you know, for a minute there during qualifying, he was on provisional poll. Thought I was going to get to write a, uh, you know, an uplifting book about perseverance, but uh, now it ends up being a book about sadness. <laughs> and you know, learning to deal with defeat. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I like to think of it as a, a work in progress. You know, if he, uh, if he has some better luck next year, maybe I'll update the book and we'll, we'll get that happy ending I always wanted. Well, there's no reason it can't be a series of books, obviously. Here's, I guess, one of the more exciting things that's now been revealed is that I think Daniel was both concerned at first when learning of the book, the romance novel about him, and then mildly flattered because you're using a lot of really kind adjectives. Well, and the image. I the mean, image is fantastic. Yeah. Did he like the part about his neck? <laughs> who, who wouldn't like that part of, about the neck? But my guess is that he's going to be a little less enthusiastic when he knows that it was a dude that wrote it. That's just my guess. Well, I'm a big fan of Daniel, so I definitely didn't want to write anything that made him look bad. But to be honest, I never thought I would sell any books. Like for me, this was just, I thought it'd be really funny to just have on my coffee table. And when people come over and they're like, what the heck is this? I just act like it's completely normal. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, like I was hoping that I would sell one book and then I could, uh, you know, call myself an author. Yeah. And you know, my dad is a journalist and an author and I thought, you know, if I can just sell one book, maybe I'll finally make him proud. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't really anticipate like anyone finding out about this or Daniel ever seeing it. So it's all kind of crazy. How many books have you sold since last Thursday when our episode aired? Yeah, I think I'd sold, I don't know, like 1.200 books before. <laughs> and now it's... Uh, you know, it's a lot more like you guys really sold a lot of books. Um, things exploded after your podcast came out. Yeah. You guys did that. You sold those books. I guess what I'm saying is if there's a, if there's any legal trouble here, you guys are accomplices. Now. <laughs> well, it feels really good to know I'm going to have friends in prison. Well, my wife's a writer and she did tell me, she was like, as long as nothing's real, you're fine to write about legally any public persona. You just have to state, and I think at the very beginning, you definitely stated that none of this is real. This is all fun. One of my favorite passages that I read is near the end, she could feel that he was harder than a Pirelli C1 tire as he crashed into her behind like she was Max in Baku 2018. <laughs> like, you know, you know your shit. You like, really, I love. You know your F1 history. How long have you been watching? <laughs> You know, I uh, I grew up in Detroit. Oh, my God. I'm not shocked. So, like, cars and racing, I've just always been around. You know, my sister works for a car company. So, you know, we'd, I used to go to IndyCar races. And we have Belle Isle? Yeah, Belle Isle. Okay, so you've always been into it. How old are you? I am 38. Okay, and you're a prolific writer. Like, I understand the bit, right? Like, oh, I want this coffee table book. But you could have just done the cover, right, and then put the pages from the Bible in there or something. No one found out. But you actually did execute. It's not an enormous book. People who have ordered it will probably be discovering that now. But it's still 40 pages, which, you know, that's a hefty undertaking. Do you write professionally outside of this? No. No. No, but I will tell you, I, so I'm self-employed, which, you know, my boss doesn't work me too hard. So I got a lot of free time. And mm. honestly... It was really fun to write. It might be a little vain to laugh at your own jokes, but I was laughing the whole time I put it together. So it didn't really feel like work, you know? I was having fun. Okay, good. And how long did it take you to write the Ricardo book? I think I did it over about two weeks. I feel like you could maybe apply yourself to maybe a real F1 book that did some kind of comprehensive history. Like, you know your shit. Yeah. If you spend, imagine what would happen if you spent six weeks doing this. <laughs> like an F1 book without dick jokes? No, still still dick jokes, <laughs> yeah, but just no, like, like full the history of oh, okay. you, okay. you, you know there's this great book like Raging Bulls, something about the underbelly of the 70s uh, cinema. You know, you could do one about kind of the underbelly of the, all these great stories that make their way around yeah. the paddock, you know. Sure. Whatever. I don't know why I'm advising you. You're a, you, we own all your books. You're doing quite well. <laughs> My question is, I understand the writing part because I myself know how to type, but how did you come up with all the artwork? Like, stop 
drop and stroll actually looks appealing. I used an AI image generator. Perfect. Wow. I've been thinking about writing the Daniel book for a while, but writing a book seems like a lot of work. But I was just messing around with the image generator and it made that image you see on the cover and it was so good. I was like, I can't not write it now. Yeah. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> so yeah, you're like the first person I've talked to who's using AI image generator in a finished product. That's awesome. It was so impressive. Like I asked for it to, you know, have him standing on top of the car and <laughs> the image generator was like, nah, bro, you don't want him standing on it. You want him straddling it. And I was like, oh yeah, that is what I wanted. I didn't even know what I wanted, but AI did. Yeah. It knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. Did, did you ever get aroused while you were writing the book? And that's a sincere question. No, I mean, I'm a big Daniel fan, but I mean, that's, that's not the stamp I want to lick. Okay. Oh, well, that's his advice to everyone, though. Lick, lick the stamp. <laughs> um, well, look, we just want to thank you, honestly. It's such a great endeavor. And I, I presume you have more books in mind. Are you going to be busy? Well, you know, I got 68 more books to write. Mm -hmm. I've uh, started on book number two. It's <sighs> called The Pole Sitter Always Rings Twice. <laughs> Oh, but wow. <laughs> I got to I got to be honest, like when things blew up, I started getting a little worried that like maybe Daniel wouldn't appreciate this. So I think before I write any more books, I got to know that he's cool with it. You know, maybe I got to cut him in a little bit, but uh, <laughs> of the 1.2, yeah, we'll see. What'd you say? 1.200? Yeah. You know, maybe he can buy himself a beer. Well, did you get to hear his reaction? Was that thrilling to hear him be so excited at the image? Yeah, I did. I, but you know, I, I felt like he was a little, uh, uh, put on the spot. So I'm, I'm hoping that after he's had some time to reflect, maybe time to read the book a couple of times, you know, uh, I, I hope he's still laughing at it, but yeah, I guess I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe text you can tell me. Yeah. I, I, I think he likes it a lot. I, he's got a great sense of humor. I think you should keep writing. And then I just have one last question, which is, my guess is you were the kid in school that like was not getting good grades, but the teacher was telling your parents he's a genius. We just don't know why he won't do his homework. Is that, am I on the right path? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think technically I should not have graduated from high school because I missed my first class too many times. But yeah, like when the standardized test scores came in, it, I, I think my dad said something to me like, oh, so you've just been sandbagging. <laughs> what, yeah. uh, what high school did you graduate from? Seaholm. Seaholm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that Northville? Yeah, Birmingham. Where, oh, Birmingham. Oh, you're a rich kid. Whatever, man. You got that <laughs> punk money. You can't call me rich. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what's your real name, Anita? It's Alex. Alex, it's really nice meeting you. You've given us so many laughs. We've had so much fun looking at the books. And I really hope you keep at it. And we have your number. And as they come out, I hope we can check in with you every time yeah. you release a new, a new one. barn burner. Yeah. Hey, uh, we'll do uh, you know, a little uh, podcast release party for the next book. Yeah. How about that? We'll do a nice oh, reading. Well, I don't know if I'm going to sign up for a party, but yes, <laughs> let's talk again when you complete your next book. <laughs> Alex, it's great meeting you. Thanks so much for calling in. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me. Wow. There's a lot of left oh. turns there, huh? <sighs> That was overwhelming. That you know what? He really knows the Australian culture a lot. Like right here, it says the night kicked off with laughter as Daniel insisted Emily try the Bloomin' Onion, a classic Australian starter. It's not an authentic <laughs> Aussie experience without it. Like it is just. I'm not sure anyone's ever said Australia and culture in the same <laughs> sentence, but like, yeah, you're right. He's done his research. <laughs> like <laughs> it is. We're starting to get a little of that zhuzh, that English zhuzh yeah. about Australia, which we know nothing about. Everything is just gold. I don't think Jethro was impressed by him on any aspect. The writing. <laughs> The Australian. I haven't seen culture. the writing. I'm impressed by anyone who can be so prolific and sit down and write a book. Did he say the Charlie Clerk book took him a weekend to write? <laughs> yes. so in between Q1 and Q2, he finished the book. <laughs> he had a he had like an extra long dump that afternoon. Yeah. He was able to hammer it out. <laughs> but no, fair play to him to sit down and write a 40-page book on um, Thick Rick is impressive. But I don't believe he didn't get aroused during the uh, writing process. I think that was one of the main motivations. <laughs> I, I agree. Even if he's a 
cis hetero male who likes women. I think as you start writing out those things, you start talking about veins and stuff. I think we all have enough autoeroticism that he must have been getting a little engorged himself. Well, I think yeah. he auto-generated that image, and that got him going yeah. a little bit just, enough to write a book about it. Okay, but I just got really scared of something. If he just admitted that all the imagery is AI generated why would we believe that the text isn't as well it's too deranged to be ai yeah i'm with you jethro though as someone who's sat down to write the guy's cranking out books i gotta tip my hat to him yeah yeah i would struggle i sit down and look at a blank screen for hours at a time it's a bona fide children's book it absolutely is it you it is indiscernible from a normal real kid's book Mm -hmm. yeah and this one's just ludicrous on the inside this like stop drop and stroll it is everything to not do in a fire it's like put the fire out with your dad's helicopter fly it close to the fire and put the fire out with the fucking propellers and every page just gets crazier gold is my favorite color of money (laughs) well the, the last line of this one is the lesson to be learned by children far and near is never sign with ferrari not even for one year <laughs> he's yeah, good. You gotta give it to him. I think he's a genius, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe we need to come up with like three book titles or something and put it on Instagram and people vote and then he has to write a book yeah. around that theme. Could be quite nice. I'm also curious just the mechanics of self-publishing this way. Yeah. I mean that someone I'm sure he's just uploads all this to a website and this gets shitted out and it's glossy well you said he's a rich kid isn't he from birmingham so maybe, yeah uh, yeah he he didn't like yeah that was that <laughs> his was, dad's got a printing <laughs> press <laughs> do you know birmingham no no i don't know anywhere out there no, no, i've been no. to detroit once i went to see the very last ford gt the 2005 generation come off the line basically but for some reason there was no pr there was no photographer around and i stayed can't remember where some quite nice hotel ford put me up they gave me a mustang gt500 they put you at the ritz carlton in dearborn it's the only nice hotel in 40 miles i can promise you but it was on eight mile drive would that make sense uh yeah i think that would yeah okay but basically so i went down to the concierge i had this bright red brand new mustang gt500 and i was like where shall I go in Detroit? Like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, I don't know anything. I'm on my own. And he looked at me and he looked at the car and he went, don't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So I took that as a a warning. So I drove up and down the road a couple of times and then came back. Okay, wow. So this book series kind of took over our life and the show. But of course, we do have the Dutch Grand Prix just days ahead. I do have a question. I I was going to admit I was coming in a little bit hot and I I wanted to know if anyone knows why we record so early. I'm not sure that this morning is your I I was pushing for 730 and the other consensus about 1030. So we met in the middle. (laughs) I finish my research at six o'clock in the morning because I need to get the last minute pulp. But not in real life. You're not up at six every day. You get up at six every day. Yeah. The cats. We have fat cats and they start <laughs> screaming beside my head at five in the morning. And then I have to chase them out hungry? of the room. Yeah, they're, we have fat cats. They're always hungry. I okay. feed them an hour later. They're screaming. Why don't you put a little Adderall in with their food next time? Oh, then, that'll really tamp yeah, down their appetite. Ozempic. Yeah. Or Ozempic, sure. Yeah. I was thinking those straight stimulant really stave off those hunger pains but maybe cigarettes it just forces me to be in the sim more because i have noise canceling headphones and then i disregard everything that's happening around okay i love how into the sim you are it's completely taken over your life hasn't it i probably in the last few days logged well over 250 laps of the dutch gp track and it is so fun oh wow what a life what a life it is without children how many laps (laughs) have you done there jethro i've never been to zanvoort but I uh, watched the replay of last year. It's an awesome track, it isn't is it? It is so the, fun. The, all the bank turns and the gravel yeah. traps. Like, it's going to be... I'm excited about it. And they get DRS in that last bank turn. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a mini NASCAR little segment at the end. This is the one where you can see the old bank behind, or it used to extend or something. Am I thinking No, that would that? be Monza. But the, oh, that's it's, Monza. They, they've added a bank turn, haven't they? The final turn. But yeah. Because it's the only track of the year where you have DRS through a corner. So you get DRS before that final bank turn. 
So there's a bit more jeopardy. And the cars, because the track's got a lot of camber and bank turns and stuff, the cars just look busy and alive. It's, yeah. it's actually a really cool place to watch them. Well, it feels like a deal with the devil to have DRS in a turn because you're losing downforce over the rear wheels where you want a lot of grip in a high-speed turn. It's a flat turn. So, you know, once you're in, it's it's like flat. But I think it does make it a lot harder for the drivers. So it's a lot edgier. And as the tires get worn out, and yeah, it's cool. I think it's a really good idea because it makes DRS an actual point of jeopardy rather than just making it, a you know, breeze past someone. Right, because then I guess you're really encouraged to pass in the turn. Yeah, mm. on that bank turn. It's mm. awesome. Mm. Yeah. I watched the last year's race too, and this was the one where signs pitted and they didn't have a fourth tire for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And everyone's kind of standing around. There's no urgency, but like they got three tires on and he's, they just kind of are slowly wheeling that fourth one out. Oh boy. Oh boy. I restarted Drive to Survive for some weird reason. First season? Yes. Wow. Have you guys done this? Uh -uh. No. Well, because now that I know so much more about the sport, it's like watching it all over again. And it's like time traveling. It's like now I'm super invested. So now I go back and it's like watching the Daniel Mack stuff is so much more thrilling knowing everything now seeing Haas you know that if you guys remember that second episode they're in fifth and six like Ricardo can't get around Magnuson and they come in and they don't put the nut on the fucking rear passenger side he gets half a lap and has to retire the car then Holkenberg comes in and then they do the front left <laughs> Bolt. That's they right. don't put on yeah. double fucking dnf within three laps when they were in fifth and sixth and now when you know the history of Haas, you're like oh my god it would have never gotten better that was like the high water mark for that team and they fucking shit the bed i mean i think when i first started watching i was like i don't know maybe that happens all the time like the severity sure. of that situation hadn't hit me as hard as it did now re-watching it yeah that is interesting and all the just like engine failures and stuff would be interesting to go back and watch now that we don't see it so much. Yes. And I really enjoyed, I almost, I thought like, I would never suggest this to him, but I was like, Ricardo needs to rewatch this season. It's wonderful to A, watch him so competitive. He's beating Max a lot of the time. And they're referring to him as, you know, just anytime there's a reference to him, it's always like top driver in F1. You know, that's just a few years ago. Yeah. That momentum was behind him in such a major way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like. If he can do that once, he could do that. Like once, you, if you can do it, you can do it. It's just, I guess, mentally getting back to that. I went back and re-listened to your interview with him, just because I was like, oh, I wonder. Because now that he's driving, and he, yes. you ask him about it, yes, and it's fun to listen to. Like, it didn't seem like a possibility in his responses, but he was kind of warming up and excited about the idea of it. And so it was just interesting to go back and yeah, now that it happened, it's interesting to hear from a different perspective. I agree. When I was talking to him, I was like, that was completely inconceivable that it'd be this season. It was like, maybe if you got a ride next year, would you right. want to? Right. And luckily he was like, yes. Yeah. Because he could have also been like, I don't know yet still. But it sounds like everything I hear, it's basically if he drives well, he gets Perez's seat next year. That seems to now be like received wisdom that everyone thinks is true. Is that is that, is that consensus? Well, actually, one of the things I have is apparently... I don't know where this is from, but it was coming out today that apparently Christian said Checo's got the seat for next year. However, how many times has this happened where someone's like, oh, no, their seat's safe, and then like two weeks later, they're gone. So he's just probably trying to make Checo feel okay in the car, but he probably actually knows something else is awry. I mean, I don't know what the truth is, but there just seems to be this, from the F1 stuff I listened to, there was always this, Ricardo's coming back, but it's just like almost like let's see if we can rebuild him and now it seems much more like well if he does well then he's going to get Perez's seat next year it seems to be almost like an accepted fact I don't know if there's any truth in it like all this stuff but that's the way the narrative has gone you know I still don't see any upside to getting rid of Perez I, they're, they're, I they're agree in first and second yeah I guess he was a little bit of a loose cannon for a couple races and but still he's doing more than enough to win the constructors championship and he's comfortably in second right what, what did they want him to get did they As want you said, him to 1. compete 1. yeah well also to jethro's point from last week they're never on tv those red bull cars because they're two miles out in front of everybody whereas 
Checo has been making his way through the pack the last few races, and you actually do get to see the Red Bull a bit. I mean, in some bizarre way, they might see it as like, we're going to keep our driver because he keeps fucking up and yes. we get to watch him come mm-hmm. through the pack. It's true. They might see it as like a safety bet to get some coverage. I don't know what they're thinking. Well, then uh, we have Zach Brown saying the F1 season would be wide open if Red Bull had two Sergio Perez's, which is oh, great. <laughs> Wow. People are... I mean, it's not. I, I, it's not fun to watch the shade being thrown to it check out. It's pretty ridiculous because he is comfortably in second. Yes, and so like as crazy as he's been, he's still crushing everyone except for Max. They're talking about him like he's in eighth place. Yeah, or, or worse. <laughs> so I just don't see the upside. And do they want someone to compete with Max necessarily, or do they? I don't know. Like this seems like the dream situation. They don't have a, a teammate that competes with them even in an equal car. So Max is comfortably out there, can kind of nurse his tires, nurse the engine, nurse everything and get through it. And then they have a second place in the bag, seemingly. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. I'm going to add another silver lion, lion, aligning to Perez, which is it's so easy to hate Red Bull because they're so dominant. And the fact that he's struggling, it gives like one monicum of sympathy to the team that maybe <laughs> otherwise there'd be zero. Yeah. What are you? Jethro's laughing his pants off. I love it. I, I, so far, we've said Perez should stay because A, he keeps making mistakes and has to drive through the pack, and B, it makes us feel like Red Bull are a little bit fallible because he's rubbish. It's, it's like, pretty good what stuff. A, what a way to be recommended to stay. Yeah. What if like his agent was was uh, trying to secure a seat at Mercedes and was like, "Look, here's the things we can offer." Gonna take the heat entirely off of Hamilton, right? No one's gonna be talking about Hamilton anymore. You guys are gonna be all over the telecast. He's spinning out, he's on fire, he's he's starting in 15. And if everyone starts saying your car is dominant, don't worry. Perez will will level that out. Yes. He'll neutralize all that chitter chatter. But if there's no upside for the team, and I think you're probably right, there is a massive upside for viewers. And I think that's why I hold out some hope because if you could see a Norris or a Leclerc or a Danny, whatever, back to the the best, that's got to be better for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So there is an upside from our point of view, I think. I agree. From our side, I think it'd be fun to see someone get in that same car and push Max a little bit. But. It's our only hope for seeing him scrap. Yeah. But how genuine do you think Max is when he says he might not stick around forever? Because if that is true, then the upside for 
Red Bull is get a Norris in as a succession plan or get a, a hot young driver who's really, really quick to get them up to speed in the Red Bull way, you know. So there is an upside in that respect. I think there's zero chance he doesn't stick around. Zero. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And then second, I agree that I don't know why Red Bull strategy wise, they're going to bring in an older driver than Max when it's like, obviously, they need to be grooming the replacement for Max in six years or whatever that is. Maybe it's too early, I guess, to think of that. So maybe they're going to have a veteran for a few years. But yeah, at some point, they got to bring in a Lando or a Piastri or whatever, one of these guys who is considerably younger than Max. Well, I think they're even not that much younger. But he think Max was 17. Like in that first season of Drive to Survive, I think he, I don't know, he's 19 maybe. Yeah. Fucking 19-year-old kid. Like, let's get a 17-year-old behind the wheel of Red Bull and see what happens. Yeah. What Max said, like the the biggest thing that he hates is all the extracurricular stuff, like all the interviews, all the little things he has to do, because he just obviously just wants to race, just wants to win. That's the thing that's annoying him about all that extra stuff. But then it was interesting because I saw an interview with Alonzo and he talked about in 2018 when he retired, he was like Max. He hated all those extra things. Mm. He didn't even like the national anthem. He didn't like the pre-thing parade. He didn't like the cameras in his face. But when he said he retired and he watched the first race, he then became totally invested in all those things because that's what showed he felt like he was kind of there again. He felt like, mm. okay, this is what the fans actually need. So that's why now he's back and he's living up in that spotlight. So maybe Max needs a half a season to be off. A little he humbling. changes his mind and he'll probably go back. I feel like if he retires, he retires, goes to the Le Mans, does a little Alonzo thing and come back and dominates. He's never going to retire. He's still got a couple seasons till he has all the records. So he still has, mm-hmm. he has to race at least he the needs next couple that, seasons. Yeah. And then in his mind, he's like, well, I want a little cushion. I want to stay the best of for course. years. Yes. He's never. Yeah. He, I don't think he's leaving, but, but it's hard to know just because we've never seen, we've seen like Schumacher dominate, Hamilton dominate. You assume they'll just stick around and try and win 10 in a row or whatever, but he might not. Like, he's a bit of a lad. He's got all the money in the world already. As far as he's concerned, he probably feels like he's already proven he's the best by miles. If he's got all of that and he's not driven necessarily to be Lewis Hamilton, you know, stick around forever and eventually get beaten by someone, he might just go off and do Le Mans, do GT3, do NASCAR, do whatever he wants. Yeah, but... My only issue with that is we've not seen, and correct me if I'm wrong, we've never seen someone retire that's dominating. No one retires when they. That's what I'm saying. We've never so seen just, there's it. There's no like history. I think the human, the, no human walks away from being number one. You I also don't. don't get to number one unless you want to win no matter what. Like whatever it takes, you just want to win. He didn't, wasn't born naturally good at racing to this extent he he wanted to win so bad that he's putting in all this time doing all the work and i just don't think you lose that i think what's most likely in my opinion is that he as part of another round of negotiating whenever that time is up i don't know how long his contract is he straight up says i'm not doing that shit anymore yeah that seems far more likely given his personality type is that he'll just go no i'm not doing it i'm not doing a pre-thing i'm not doing an interview afterwards and f formula one will be mad and they'll say that's unacceptable and then he's fucking crazy so he'll walk and then they'll regroup and go we cannot kick michael jordan out of formula one let's let's play ball or like you know marshawn lynch football Mm, player i know the name he's an incredible character he hated press Never mm-hmm. did it. But the NFL has a rule. You have to be there. Right. So he would sit up there and in the Super Bowl, in everything, and they'd ask him some question. It would be about the game, personal life, anything. And he'd say, I'm just here because I have to be. That was mm-hmm. his answer for mm-hmm. every question. He put in his 90 seconds or three minutes, whatever the time was. Yeah. And leave. Never answered one question with anything other than I'm here because I have to be. And it- I could see that coming in where Max like, you know what? I'm out. I'm just going to do the bare minimum. If Max is really hating the press that much it's another good reason to have danny back because when you look at the stuff mm, those sure. two used to do together the the videos and stuff they look like they're in the best time so yeah. maybe that's another thing to keep him motivated maybe red bull a thing who knows what's going on behind the scenes but that could be a genuine reason to think about that move right have him i'm shoulder. just coming up with as many reasons as possible that we get someone really quick yeah. in the second car okay sir man you undoubtedly have some juicy pulp for us. Yeah. And then we got to pick P10. Yeah. Me and Jethro were chatting that it's weird because everyone's like silly season, silly season. Not 
the most crazy things have happened, but we got some. So Botas won the internet this week and I think won the summer break. He was doing a gravel race in Colorado and dressed as Duffman from The Simpsons, full costume, <laughs> and won the costume contest and I guess won his weight in beer and then donated it to the crowd and everyone just had beers and drank. Oh, and Wow. Dude, he's having a great break. Everyone else's break is just like we were saying, shirtless on a yacht. He was on a dirt bike, no? Is that what kind of racing it was? No, like gravel bike. So it's like a, it's like a road bike but more gravel tires and you race instead of road biking on a road, uh-huh. you're racing on like gravel and dirt trails, not quite mountain biking. It's in between Wait, but bicycle or motorcycle. Bicycle. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause his, did he girl- look clumsy on it? I feel like I saw a clip of him not looking. Oh no, head. no. He's- he is like, he's good. And oh, his, his okay. girlfriend is, I think one of the top women gravel bikers in the world. Oh wow. So she's like an Australian champion. I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Gravel biker. Yeah. Hey, um, what do you do? I'm a gravel biker. Yeah. <laughs> gravel biker. What? I'm a gravel biker. What does that mean? You haul around gravel with your bike? Now I race on gravel biker. It does sound like <laughs> slang for something else. It does. Like gravel yeah. biker. Like you're nasty. Like you're yeah. <laughs> Blooming onion. Oh, she was a real gravel biker. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, we had to hose down that whole room when we were through <laughs> oh my God. to get a mop. <laughs> um, we got the Dutch GP kind of organization cracking down big time on inclusivity because I guess 2018, was that the first race they had there? Or 2020, they had a race and no one could go but Dutch fans. So it was just Max Verstappen mania. Mm. So since then, they've all been coming, but they've been quite not friendly at all to all the other team fans. Inhospitable. Yeah, inhospitable. Yeah. (laughs) Dump it with the home fans. (laughs) Fill that thing with the home fans. Why not? So, because they're like, they're saying whatever. So they're actually saying, because you've seen like, it's like an orange cloud when you're there. Yeah. So they're cracking down on that and people are going to get kicked out if they use flares, Mm. which looks cool in the telegas, but like every time I watch it, I'm like, how do they racers see as they're getting through this? Fuck the racers. I just imagine being the stands next to some knucklehead that brought like 15 cans of fucking mustard gas with them. No. And it's (laughs) popping it off and I'm downwind by a foot from it. That would be horrendous. I almost feel like I would bring a gas mask to this race. I'm sure people do. Yeah. It'd also be a great time to pickpocket, like in the thick haze of that orange smoke just starts ruffling through other people's pockets that are (laughs) near you. A bunch of cell phones. Yeah, you name it. Something came up, uh, another thing about Danny, a little picture of his high school yearbook. And you know how there's always a quote under your thing. His was, Hannah Montana said, nobody's perfect, but here I am. (laughs) Just classic, Danny. That was amazing. Um, We got James Vowell saying that the Williams is no longer going to be improving their car this year because it's going to be taking away from next year's car. So they're focusing on 2024 and 2025. Wow. Um, That's just what you want to hear coming out of the break. We're going to be going backwards for the rest of the season. All you want to hear. And we didn't buy any new tires either. We're going to be running old tires the rest of the season, just so everyone knows. Yeah. Um, And then we got, like, I saw a bunch of interesting stuff about, like, the costs of racing and how much it costs to get into different things. A guy who was in Formula 3 was talking about this on a podcast. I forget which one. But he said, basically, to get into any sort of a feeder series in karting, your karting journey would cost about $2 million. Meaning from like eight years old to... I think so, yeah. Okay. And then... career as a karter. Yeah. If you want to get into F4, your cost would be about 500 k F3, it would cost about a million. And F2 would be about $3 million per season. And of course, you would then need to get sponsors, but like you could get into it, but you have to cover those costs unless you get sponsors. So mm. I'm sure there's some racers like a Nikita that's probably just his dad's forking that out and he's the sponsor. So he's easier to get in. Yeah. So so I could race F3 for $3 million a year. I think you could. Oh my God. I got to talk to my wife. Ted Seegers. <laughs> Downsize a little bit. You could there's no Ted reason Seagers. I shouldn't run one season of F3. <laughs> Fucking does sweep up the back of the track. Yeah, you <laughs> just can. be out there. You get really excited every time I get past. Like, whoa, that guy's flying! He's flying. <laughs> I think now <laughs> that you have Ted Seegers, it makes sense for you to get into some sort of motorsport sponsorship. I do think you're right. I don't know if it'll be F3, but yes, I do think Ted Seegers needs to have a race team ASAP. I saw well, these um, airboat lemons airboat races. Okay, and that like the hydroplanes. Yeah, yeah, and that looked pretty epic. 
That's bonkers. I've been to them. They're, they used to be on the Detroit River. Maybe they still are on the Detroit River. And yeah, and the Miss Budweiser would be going like 200 miles an hour and just fly up into the air and then yep. flip 18 times. And that's that's the one. Yeah. That's <laughs> and they got jet motors on the back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the whole boat weighs about 900 pounds. It's bossel wood. Yeah. That's the one. And we got the final thing that Dax is not going to care about at all, but everyone out there should be very excited. Danny Ricardo is joining F123 game. Nick DeVries is out on August 29th and Danny will be back in the game. So I can now start racing with Danny. Mm, that's great news. That's <laughs> r- incredible news. The wait is over. The I can finally resume over. my sim career. Well, it's I, very I was protesting when Nick's out there. I'd rather is Danny that... be out there. I don't want to see that name anymore. Okay. What about Schumacher? Would you be okay if you saw Schumacher? There is weirdly enough in the actual seasons, you can trade and you can race with Schumacher and like Art and Senna and all those different people are in a season. So you could race with them. Okay. Um, I don't know if I should Easter egg this now, but I think I might be doing a drift session with our boy Schumacher. Oh. I think he might be there, Mick Schumacher. Really? Yes. I think it's looking like I might do a track day of drifting. Where are In Texas. No so I'll be going even way. earlier than originally planned so that I can participate in this. Heck yeah. And unlike my fantasy career in F3 where I just watch guys pass me nonstop, I have high hopes of embarrassing Mick in this domain. I feel like I should be able well, to Well, I don't think you will because he will take you out as soon as you... Oh, he met his match. <laughs> he's going to be coming for you. He's got the right guy if he wants to tangle assholes out on the track. <laughs> is it in a real drift car, like a proper set-up drift car? That is my understanding. Yeah, I had a track in Texas. They're so easy to drive. Yeah, well, I had that one episode of uh, Top Gear where I did the full-blown drift nissan through the course and, oh you did yeah and I then mean, i did the m4 on horseshoe mile up at willow yeah yeah so but a fully set up drift car you will be i bet you'll be better than a, an f1 driver at it oh let's hope although i just saw today funny enough a video on instagram of max in a drift yeah, car with mad mike yeah do you see that and they set up like on the outside of the turn it was all these standees of horner with his hand out and max was asked to hit all the hands with did the back of the car and he didn't hit all of them, but he hit a, a bunch of them where I was like, oh, he must also fuck around in cars. I was going to say. Because a lot of these guys that have only raced carts and then they raced, you know, in the Formula Series, they haven't been in dirt roads fucking around like hillbillies. You yeah. know, they're not really versed in that. Whereas Jethro, who's been trying to look sweet in photographs in car magazines for 20 years, like, that's all he does. That's what I do. Yeah, I think the one thing... They're obviously super talented and they have feel for a car. So although they don't do it, once someone says, oh, you can go and do this and gives them a little bit of free reign to do it, they tend to be pretty good pretty quick. In those drift cars, I just drove um, Pastrana's Huckster, you know, that family Huckster thing, which is the four-wheel drive Jim Carner car. And I've always had this thing that I'm like, come on, they're like 800 horsepower, 1,000 horsepower, hydraulic handbrake or e-brake, you know. How hard can it be? You can do silly things pretty easily in those things. So you'll have a great time. Yeah, I've never done a four-wheel drive drift session. That seems exciting. It's mega, yeah. I mean, this thing's got 860 horsepower, and you you can just light the tires up constantly. And Travis is, you know him. I hadn't met him before. He's such a legend. He was in the passenger seat, and he was like, just the answer with this car always is more power. Doesn't matter what (laughs) is happening, more power, more power, more power. And it's just, yeah, it's so much fun. We would do... No, no shit. He would do when he was doing like demo of the next thing I was going to try and do. Yeah. He would get through four tires in 30 seconds, 35 seconds. They had 36 sets of tires for us for the day. I was like a race weekend. It was amazing. (laughs) And it literally, he'd do 35 seconds, they'd be gone. Then something, we'd do another exercise, wouldn't be quite as hard on the tires, but a minute and a half, we'd burn a set of tires. It was unbelievable. Well, some of those Ken Block Gym Connor courses that were many miles long or through San Francisco, or th- you'd, I did start thinking like, I cannot believe this set of tires is holding up for this entire Oh, no. Video. Be, the, the, one stump will do a set of tires, without a doubt. If you watch Travis's one he did in that Subaru Gym Connor 2022, it's unbelievable. But yeah. They'll do one stunt and the tires will be done. So it's not done continuously. Yeah. What was that one? The video, is it Ken Block, the, the LA one? Yeah. The, are they swapping out tires for that? I mean, that video is forever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess now that he's saying that, I feel stupid in recognizing like, yeah, there's cuts. 
it feels continuous. Yeah. But yeah, there are they are cutting to another shot. Yeah. And presumably they put Swapping the car out. right back on the track. But yeah, I guess I had a fantasy that he does that entire course in one yeah. lap. Yeah. But they do probably stitch together each. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they have to. Yeah, 30 seconds. He's going through 15 sets of tires in that. Didn't Pastrama just jump like a 100-foot bridge that was out in the Keys or something? I feel like I saw. That was the one, yeah. If you watch that uh, bit, it's great. The car, I think it does 165, this thing, the gearing it had when he did the shoot. And he does the jump at full speed, 160. <laughs> But he, no, he's on the limiter. No, you can see it. He's no. on the limiter and it's like 164, 165, 164. And then he, so he does one over a helicopter, which is great, but that's not the really fast one. The really fast one is he just clears an entire bridge. Oh my And you watch God. it and you're like, <laughs> where he lands, if the car spears off in either direction, he's basically dead because it's, it's woods either side. And, oh. and I spoke to him about this and I was like, oh, I assume you did like a lot of practice, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, it was one of the first days of filming and we weren't sure we were going to be allowed to do the helicopter jump. We couldn't get a permit for it. So we were looking for another stunt that could go in the place of that. So I did the jump. I hit it first time, hit it like hundred miles an hour. It looked pretty good. So we said we'd do one more. And I said to them, well, I'll just hit it as fast as the car will go and we'll see what happens. So <laughs> you just, just got in and fully sent it absolutely on the limiter. And it does a nosedive as it lands, but he keeps it straight. It's it's amazing. He is a funny dude. Well, he's somewhere between Evil Knievel and Ken Block. Like he's somewhere on the spectrum that's closer to Evil Knievel than it is to a lot of the other guys. Well, the day after that jump so he does that jump that's an early thing with the with a skeleton crew and the day after the video starts with him running through his hotel room and jumping off the balcony yes deploying a shoot and then the idea is he gets in the cars and go the shoot just doesn't deploy properly so the next day he broke his back doing this stunt oh. which they show in the video okay. and then they have to have a break from filming, which is how they get the permit for the over the helicopter oh, jump. And he comes back and does God. another four or five days filming. He's absolutely out of his mind, but he's brilliant. I wonder what his rebound period was after the broken back. Like you tore your Achilles and that was a year of your life. Nine months for sure. Yeah. I got a hunch Pastrana was out there within hours after the back break. Well, Jethro made it seem like it was a two day recovery. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> now we can go like yank these permits real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not a long break. He's yeah. his body. He walks with a limp. Like he looks like a man who has a lot of metal componentry in his body, but he is, yeah. I have to say, great fun. I mean, yeah. I wonder if this point he wants to get injured so he can just get more metal parts and just complete mm. the whole thing. Well, just I was a robot. <laughs> full T2. Yeah. I was going a little dark with doing the big jump at the beginning of the shoot, which there's some logic in a morbid way where you go like, look, we don't know if I'm going to live past this big jump so i don't want to waste everyone's time making this whole yeah. video and then then i die on the big jump so <laughs> let's at least get the big jump and then we know it's worth shooting all the other stuff leading up to it because it's made like it. a mission impossible <laughs> like you have tom cruise do that big motorcycle stunt because if he dies the whole movie's done anyway so let's that's, get that one out of the way see if, first, yeah. see if we waste all this time making a movie yeah oh my lord okay uh did we cover all the pulp yeah, last one. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? There's a video going around of Max ripping through France in, uh, I think, that new Austin Martin Valkyrie or something like that, that new supercar. Yeah. And I guess people are losing it on Twitter because he's like full-blown speeding through the streets. I thought I saw the speedometer. It was like 127 kilometers an hour, which is not that fast. But people are like thinking he's going to lose his license and you need a driver's license to have your super license. But, like, there's always an exception to that. Nothing's going to happen, but everyone was losing it. We max. don't think that it was closed down or police. No, were... there was. Uh, it was just, like, he was. Letting no, a rip. Yeah, letting a rip. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad no one's filming me driving around L.A. Because I'm sure I would. <laughs> oh, I've been in the car with you. It's. I remember pulling up beside some cops, and then you just gave them a wink and just laid some rubber right beside them and peeled away. It was amazing. Look, I'm living out my Burt Reynolds fantasy. Uh, <laughs> just begging for it. <laughs> I've done that a few times in front of the the boys in blue. I try to get a good nod in, make sure like, yeah, there's some recognition or at least one of the two guys or gals recognizes me. And then you just roll the dice. So. That is such a wild uh, train of thought. <laughs> we were leaving Charlie's gym maybe, right? And it was New yeah. Year's Eve. Is that what it was? Yeah. And yeah, I at least talked to them. I was like, boys, stay safe tonight. They're like, you got it, man. We listened to the show. I'm like, great. Light turns green. We're in the Hellcat. I just went, Whoa! 
and just laid 300 yards of rubber up to the 101 and got on. It was incredible. <laughs> Never felt more alive. Oh, me too. That's a lot of times I keep thinking I'm going to wake up. That's my sim race. I yeah, think yeah. I'm going to wake up like, man. Eh, oh, especially when they say, "Oh, we listen to the show." That's just like a green. That's several green. <laughs> what flags. I hear is go crazy, go drive however you brother. want. Yeah, they said, <laughs> we like your show. I hear go nuts. Yeah, you've got a free pass this time. Yeah, they can't just tell you to go nuts. They just that's how their embarrassing time. though if they we like the show. I feel out and they immediately pull me over and they're like, what are you doing? Do you think because we like your show that that means you can fucking lay rubber? How are those things related at all? You literally just talked to us on our motorcycles. Did yes. you not see us there? We did not say we like your stunt driving. We said we like your show. We like we, we like when you break the law. They give you like 17 tickets for whatever you did. Yeah, one that's just a dipshit infraction. Yeah. Okay, so let's do P10. Because man, we got a big, big weekend back. I think <sighs> this is this is everything. This feels like when you've had a vacation plan for mm. six months and mm. it's never going to come. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're packing for it. That's yes. kind of where we're at. Right, that now. is where we're at. Let's go youngest to oldest. It's been a while since we did that. Uh, Charlie, do you have a P10? Don't forget we're five X. Oh, five oh, wow! Oh, this changes everything. Yeah, now's not the time to be cute. Oh, I was going to be a little cute. You were. Yeah. Joe? I was going to go science. I, I don't know if that's terribly cute. No, because I watched last year's and they just fucked it up so bad. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to go with uh, Stroll. Stroll. Okay. That feels uh, safe. High probability. He was 10th last year. Was he? Yeah, this it's, year it's tricky because Stroll was 10th, Gasly was 11th, Albon was 12th. And I feel like those are the three teams that are always going to be in that zone now. It's really yeah. hard. Yeah. All right, Matt, you're next youngest. Um, five back. I got it. I, I got to take Danny on this one. Yeah, I would have too. Yeah. yeah. Danny. Jethro, you're the oh, penultimate man. oldest. This is not an easy one. Um. Well, now you're telling me Williams are only going to get worse. I was going to go Albon, but I'm a little bit worried about that. So I'm going to go Ocon. Okay. Huh. Well, then that leaves Gasly wide the fuck open, doesn't it? I'm kind of teetering between Yuki Gasly and took, Yuki. Yeah, yeah, we took Yuki on the table again. Yeah. I really love that after this much time, we're still acting like there's some sort of skill involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Like I, to me, this this decision feels important, yeah. and it doesn't. I could actually pick a driver that's not even on the grid and have just as much yeah. chance. <laughs> yeah, I pick Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, the question is, do I want Gasly or Yuki? I. It really is who you want to cheer for. How mad will you guys be if I win the five X with Yuki? Pretty upset, right? I wouldn't care. Okay. No, we put it on the table. Okay. We all could have picked them. Listen, I've written off me winning, so. Okay. You... I'm going to go Yuki. Good to be back. I'm going Sonoda. So. because okay, I think Gasly's going to get it, so. I think Gasly is too, especially now that I said Sonoda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, in short time, we will know. I can't Calling wait. for rain all weekend, too. Oh, it A is. A lot of rain. Oh, well, fuck. I don't want rain this one. I feel like there's going to be a lot of action anyway. I just want a regular old dry race. I don't know what the rain does to my Yuki pick, but I guess we'll find out. Just randomizes everything. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't on this one. You can't change now because then he'll win. Well, if there's rain, though, we would agree that would elevate Albon a bit, right? Because we're saying mechanically now there's not as big of an advantage because no one can drive at 100%. Mm -hmm. Now you start getting in the driver and now you start Albon's looking good in rain, I think. But again, we've made our decisions. We made our bed. We're going to lie in it and go right to sleep. So just to remind everyone, we got Charlie with Stroll. We got Matt with Danny. We got Jethro with Alcon and Dax with Yuki. Tune in next week. Do you want to take us out with a little passage? Do yeah, I got a little nice passage here I want to end with. Okay. She needed Daniel in her life. She needed that neck in her life. She craved him the way a dingo farmer craves a cold Foster's beer on a hot, sweaty Northern Territory day. She needed him the way Nikita Mazepan needed his dad's money to get an F1 seat, but he seemed like a faraway dream. <laughs> Multiple similes in one. All of it. In one run on. Uh, well, that was wonderful. Dutch Grand Prix is upon us. Everyone have a great week. And until next time, we encourage everyone to push, 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 push. <laughs>